Whether you are looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia Chevalier of Chevalier Mortgage will make the process as simple and smooth as possible. If you've gone through the loan process before and you know, you'd rather, I don't know, make a trip to Laramie, go clear the gutters, do a bunch of yard work, root for the Dodgers, shoot, even worse, root for the Rockies at this point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough experience is the point I'm getting at. But if you've ever worked with Mike in Virginia, trust me, they're going to make it smooth, quick, enjoyable. They're some of the best in the business. What separates them from everybody else is Mike is also a certified financial planner and he looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like a person and not a number. I love that. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation. Again, that's dnvrmortgage.com. You can enter to get a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. If you're old school, that's okay. Just give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of DNVR Madness presented by Chevalier Mortgage. This is a national extension of our college basketball coverage. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the Rams. I'm with Ben Girding. He covers the Buffs and does a variety of things for us here at DNVR. We are Hoops Heads. We love college basketball. We're here to talk college basketball. Ben, how's it going, my guy? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going pretty well. Uh, covering the Buffs this week has been a little tough. For those of you who don't know, they blew a 19-point lead against Utah last Saturday. So uh, although they are still one game back of the Pac-12 conference lead, it feels like the sky is falling on Buffs Twitter. So, so that's been a little bit of a stressful week, having to talk some fans uh, back into the bandwagon that the season's not over. But, you know, other than that, as far as a college basketball perspective goes, each week, man, something new interesting happens. We've got a lot to talk about today. I'm excited to do so. We are finally in February. For those of you who don't know, you know what month is right after February? That's right. It's March. So we are getting so much closer to the best sporting event of the year, in my opinion, March Madness. Just a couple more weeks until John Rothstein sees his shadow and uh, it's officially <laughs> spring. So let's talk college basketball. Let's jump right into it and talk about the Big Ten, which it's, it's the best league uh, top to bottom. You know, we go over this every single week. Right now, though, the story is all about Ohio State. And Ohio State was a team that early in the year, you know, we were kind of trying to decide, you know, are we in? Are we out? They had the loss at Purdue, which isn't a bad loss, but the, the loss to Northwestern in particular, I was kind of like, all right, I'm out. Then they get beat down by Minnesota not long after. But all of a sudden, man, this team, they went to Wisconsin, won by 12, beat Penn State. They got a win over Michigan State, who, by the way, bury them, bury them, get them out of the conversation. They're not a tournament team. I don't care anymore. And now they got a win over Iowa on the road. Man, is this the best team in the Big Ten? Uh, you know, for Ohio State fans and Michigan fans, this is trending in the way you want it because I think it is a close conversation between the Wolverines and the Buckeyes. You know, I, I grew up in Ohio. My brother graduated from Ohio State University. Even he hates the Buckeyes. So, <laughs> you know, fan base decide they're a good basketball team right now. And 
it's it's interesting because Iowa, you know, they they're trending as a one or a two seed, but they're fifth in the conference right now, which which is pretty fascinating as far as what their trajectory is. But Buckeyes on a four game win streak, you know. <sighs> I don't think I'm there yet to put them over Michigan, but they are as close as anybody else right now. They are Trent. I mean, the Big Ten realistically could have two, maybe even three teams that are a one or a two seed in the tournament. Now, obviously, it depends on on how it shakes out and who beats who. But Ohio State, you know, that win at, at Iowa that goes in there as one of the best wins of the year. You know, Indiana beat Iowa on the road, and that again was a, a great win. You know, you look at the rest of their schedule. You got a game at Maryland. Maryland is one of those teams where they are hit or miss. Um, that should be a win for the Buckeyes if they want to compete and prove that they are a top 10 team consistently. Then after that, you know, they've got a harder than normal, you know, last stretch. Game versus Indiana, that one's at home. You should win that. You're at home against Michigan. That very well could be for the Big Ten crown. Um then you go on the road again to Michigan State. I, I completely agree. You know, last week, I wanted to be optimistic. They're done. Bury them. You're right. Put them six feet under. That, that program's done for the season. Then you get Iowa at home, and then you finish with Illinois. I mean, with three of your final you know, four, five, six games going against the top of the conference, it's going to be a fascinating finish. My money'd still be on Michigan, but Ohio State, they're, they're playing some of the best basketball in the country, it's hard to bet against them. Iowa, one in three over their last four games. Wildly inconsistent defensively, man. They they concern me a little bit. You know, early in the year, they were beating up on some bad teams. Maybe, maybe we bought in slightly early. I mean, they hung against Gonzaga, dominantly beat North Carolina, who's actually proven to be a pretty decent team down the stretch. I'm not panicking just yet. This is a brutal conference slate, and we kind of knew they were, you know, bound to lose a few. But they've got to turn it around quickly, and that's not necessarily an easy task. You know, Indiana on the road, you never know. After that, you should beat Rutgers and Michigan State, but you still got to play Wisconsin. You still got to go to Ohio State and Michigan. They could really drop some games down the stretch and end up being more like a four or five seed. Yeah, which would terrify me if I am a Buster Rams fan and you end up as a an eleven. Oh, can or you can you imagine if you're a twelve seed and you draw Iowa as a freaking five seed? I mean, that would be ridiculous because that's just unfair. But yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what to think of Iowa. We talked about it in the beginning, how Iowa is always a team that's gonna destroy non-con, and then what do they do within the Big Ten is you know, I think Luca Garza is still in the lead for player of the year. But for me, I just, I don't know that that team is going to make the run that everyone I think thought they would about a month ago. And yeah, you touched on it. They've got Ohio State, they got Michigan, they have Wisconsin twice because they closed the season at Wisconsin. So uh, those, you very well could end up 0-4 in those games. And, you know, for any other team, that's perfectly acceptable because those are very good programs you're going against. But if you're Iowa Hawkeyes, this was your year. If you can't, you know, hold par with those other teams in the in the Big Ten, I, I think it's a concern. I will say the conference landscape as a whole has shifted in just a week from when we last talked. You know, last week, I really didn't think it was going to be a 10-bid league. Now, maybe it's more like six, seven, eight range because Minnesota 
is on a three-game losing streak. Um, you know, Maryland, again, they're very inconsistent. They're just above 500. And then you've got the likes of at the bottom, you know, Northwestern, Michigan State, they're done. Um, Indiana is flirting with it. I do think Indiana will end up getting in. But again, they're a team that's barely above 500. And then Rutgers right now, they're seven and six in the conference, 11 and six on the year. They're another team that had a, a tough stretch there in the middle. So if you're the Big Ten and just in just one week, you went from, you know, maybe having 10, 11 teams make it to now the conversation gets a lot more consolidated. I think that's good for college basketball. You know, if I don't think any league getting 10 teams into the, into the tournament is going to you know, overwhelm the masses or really excite people in terms of generating, generating national excitement. So yes, we, we think that there's firmly six, maybe seven teams that are going to make it, um, 10, you know, we maybe got a little carried away, but it was hard. It was really looking that way for a while. And it still could, when it's all said and done, some of these teams could get hot. We'll have to see. Let's move on. Talk about one of our favorite conferences. That is the big East, which the Big East is fun because you just never know what you, you're going to get. You know, you got to go full Forrest Gump on this one. You never know what you're going to get with the Big East. And St. John's, I I wasn't paying attention to them. They lost a bunch of games early. Now, all of a sudden, they've got a five-game winning streak, and they're shaking some stuff up. Yep. You know, and the Big East falls again in this conversation of the, what, what a week changes. You know, Villanova looked like they were firmly in control. Granted. Villanova is still the favorite, um, you know, and, and Creighton, they lost a game. Nova lost a game. And yeah, St. John's five game win streak makes them relevant again. And just a week ago, I don't know that we will really be talking about that, but they also have wins over UConn and Nova. So it's not just wins against the bottom teams. It's not like they're just beating up on DePaul and Butler. This is a team that's competing. And so that really blows the floodgates open on the Big East as far as Who's going to make the cut? Um, you know, I think the Big East is trending towards probably four teams at this point. You've got Novan Creighton, I think, as a lot. Xavier is 11 and two. They're four and two in the conference. And, and, and you know what? And the problem, too, with the Big East is every team in this conference has been hit so bad by COVID that the sample size is not going to compare. So this is going to be fascinating when we get to selection someday. How do they weigh these games as far as win percentage versus quality opponents? You know, all these different metrics. But Xavier, UConn, St. John's, and Seton Hall are all pretty much, I think, four teams vying for two spots, in my opinion. Who comes out of that pack? You know, I I don't know. But at this point, St. John's, I mean, you got to ride the hot hand. And that's a team that I I do think could make a push. Now, I I don't know that they're going to be a Sweet 16 team, but making some noise going into the tournament. They have a nice little stretch here. Go at Providence, at Butler, so you can prop that win. Pick up some wins, yeah. Then a big-time game against Xavier on the 16th. That one is going to be huge. And then you For both those teams, because if you're Xavier, you can't afford to drop it. Nope. I mean, you know, none of these teams in the top four really can afford a loss at this point. Because it's just, when you look at how many games they've played, they really can't afford any more bangs to the resume. So, you know, Seton, or St. John's, I'm sorry, they've got that game at Xavier. They go at Villanova, and then they'll finish the season versus Seton Hall. Those will be tough games. But those are the only three tough games really on their schedule. So they should win the rest of them. You know, where do you put them? Yeah, I think they're like, the, I'd put them about the sixth best team in the league right now. Obviously, you know, they're, they picked up steam. One thing I do want to say as far as Villanova People are really going to hit the panic button because they lost this game by double digits. 
I saw a really good tweet and and I I drawn I should have wrote down who tweeted it so I'm sorry for not attributing this to the correct person but it was essentially you know remember kids if you're in a power league and you drop a game it's just a night off but if you're not it's proof that you're a fraud and people are going to try and like use this against Villanova they already had the loss at Virginia Tech which again not a bad loss Villanova's fine they're the yeah. best team in the conference. Like I, I really like Creighton still. We've talked so much about these teams, so we don't really, you know, have to talk make all the same talking points about their experience and their versatile scoring, and they have so many different guys and all that. We've already made those points a billion times. Don't panic. I agree though. Four four teams probably making it. The the Big East and the Mountain West are kind of the two conferences this year that I'm just like, come on, get them, get four teams in each. I want eight teams out of those two leagues. Absolutely. And, it, and it's possible. Completely agree. Villanova is still the best team in this conference. They're going to make some noise in March. Uh, they're going to be a high seed. It, it's, Creighton that, it, it's Creighton that I think is going to be on the bubble because they were once a top 10 team. You know, they, they flirted with a lot of different rankings. I'm trying to see where they're at in the AP, not the AP Mavericks anymore at all, but they're 15th in the AP. So they're still, you know, up there. But as far as you know, where they end up seed wise, how close are they going to be to Villanova? And, and for that matter, when you look at the big East and let's assume in this world that they've got four seeds, where do you think they fall? Cause for me, I think Nova is at least a two seed after that. I don't know where to put them. Yeah. It, it's really going to depend on how Creighton finishes. Cause they've still got two games against Villanova, you know? So if you split there, that's really going to help their perception. Whereas if Nova sweeps you, it's probably going to drop you pretty significantly, maybe even out of the top 25. I'll say this. If you're a team like Creighton, who's essentially been a top 25 team, I think they have been. A, yeah, they have been a top 25 team from, from start to finish. Spent most of the season in the top 10. If they end up dropping, and let's say they get you know, seated somewhere like uh, five, between five and eight, that's that's not a team you're gonna want to have to face oh, no. as a as a you know a top seed, especially if they get hot. Let's say they win the first game, put up a bunch of points, and oh yeah, we're Creighton. We can score a hundred on any given night. They're they're still dangerous, man. I've I've got my eyes on them. I'm not panicking too much. I really think it comes down to those two games against Villanova, though. You know that Villanova has a chance to really yes, we are the best team in this league, other than Gonzaga, probably the best non-major team. You know we're. A, two seed, maybe a one seed, depending on what happens with Alabama and some of these other squads. I'm excited. Let's do it. This is what it's all about. I've got a, I've got an interesting question for you then. Okay. What, what is best for, what is best for the Big East? Is it a Villanova sweep to assume that then Villanova positions itself firmly as a one or a two seed? Or is it Creighton splitting the series or even Creighton going 2-0? and And then you've got two teams that are up there in the 4-5. To me, I think it's a slam dunk you go all in on Villanova because you want your crown team to be in charge. But I know there are some conferences that, that their priority is just to get as many teams in as possible because not only is that going to be money back to your conference, but also just your perception. I think the big thing we have to add is no matter what happens, neither of these teams can afford any losses outside of each other. Yep. So, you know, if you're Creighton and you, you run the table aside from Villanova, your perception pretty much remains the same. I don't see you dropping out of the top 25 in that scenario. Probably still end up like a five seed. Yeah. If, if you're Villanova and you get swept, 
I think that could drastically hurt them. Obviously, that really helps Creighton, and but I'm not sure the Big East would rather have them both be, you know, four or five seeds instead of, you know, having Nova firmly at the top with a, you know, chance to contend for the title. Man, that's a really interesting question and one I wish I would have thought about more before this. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Big East and the Mountain West, I, I just, I think there's a lot of parallels there because the Mountain West is kind of similar. They have a lot of good teams that still have to play each other here at the end. And it's like, well, do you want them to split and like make it look like so they're all pretty good? Or ultimately, would you rather just have two or three teams that are, you know, clearly cut? These are the best teams. They all deserve to make it. I guess it just depends on your perception and who you root for. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no right or wrong answer. If you're a Nova fan, you're saying, oh, all in. You know, the same is true for Creighton fans. And if you're the Big East, you know, the conference, again, it could go either way. So just a, an interesting conference. You touched on it. Probably one of our favorites just because of the way they play basketball. And one that I hope gets some good recognition in the tournament because I love seeing Big East teams get in and compete. They're, they're all going to be dangerous come March. Definitely. Let's talk another major conference, and that's the ACC. You know, we haven't been very high on the ACC all year. They, they've got a couple teams that are kind of coming on strong. North Carolina's, you know, closed the gap. Virginia Tech, you know, Virginia looked really good, but now they just got upset. I still just have a tough time getting a read on this league, and I really, I, I just don't think I believe in any of them as true contenders, if we're being honest. No, there, there's there's not a team in this conference that I would safely bet to make the Elite Eight. Um, I, I think, you know, Virginia, they're a team that you know, they, they've always had a great defense. And that's something that the, the Cavaliers have always been able to lean on. And, you know, this season, it, it's not that it's any different. It just, it just feels like a different Virginia team. It just feels like a different conference. I want to pivot a little bit while we're talking about the ACC. Did you see Andy Katz prediction bracket? For, His most recent one, the one that didn't yeah. include CU? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yes, I saw it. They had Duke as a 10 seed. Are you serious? Yeah, and, and that's just stuff like that that I just don't understand. Duke right now, 5-4 and four in the conference, 7-6 and six overall. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Their best win is against Clemson, and, and Clemson kind of had the wheels fall off them for a bit there. Clemson went from the best defense in college basketball to now a bubble team. Andy Katz had Duke at 7-6. and six. They are in, they're, they're not even in the top 100 at Kempom, and Colorado didn't even make it. And you know what? This is besides the point. This isn't supposed to be a Colorado conversation. This was just, again, about why does Duke get this bump that other teams don't? You look at the ACC as a whole – I don't know. In North Carolina, they have proved to be a, a adequate team this year, but you've got Virginia, Florida State, and Virginia Tech at the top, and then it's really between Louisville, North Carolina, maybe Duke and Clemson for me to get a fourth spot, and honestly, that's probably it. The ACC is going to send one auto bid um, and, and three at large, and, and that is really the most I think they can justify doing. I mean, you would think, but... Watch, if, if Duke and North Carolina split, they're both going to get into the tournament. And it's going to be ridiculous, and I'm going to be pissed off, and Duke's going to be overseeded, and somebody out of the Big East or the Mountain West or the Pac-12 is going to get snubbed as a result. And, you know, that's the cycle that goes on every year. But, yeah, I just, I can't get behind it. I really don't even have, you know, that hot of takes about the ACC other than it. It's just not even that entertaining of a product. I struggle to even watch these games at times. Like, 
oh, is there a Big Ten game on I can flip to? Or yeah. I mean, it's 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 just been bad basketball. Yep. Um, it, it's a weird year though. Like that the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve. I mean, look at what's happening with Kansas right now. I I know they have four top twenty-five wins, but I mean, are we are we sure that Kansas should still be ranked? They're two and four over their last six. No, we're not sure that they should be ranked. Uh, Kansas has made the tournament for the last thirty years. They have only been lower than a four seed twice. They've been a six seed in, I believe it was ninety six through ninety eight, somewhere in that range, and they were an eight seed in the early nineties as well. And that's it. Bill Self has never been below four seed. I think that's going to change this year. I, Kansas is just not. They're just not there. Uh, there's something about that piece that's missing. And I guess as we transition into the Big 12, that when you look at the, the landscape of the teams there, there are just other teams in that conference that are so much more fun to watch, so much more that inspire faith in you. Uh, Mac McClung in Texas Tech, that's a fun team to watch. That's a team that I would not want to play. Right now, they're sitting at six in the conference, but they are a top 25 team. They are going to be ranked well. I, I think they're probably the second best team in the conference right now, Texas Tech. I think Baylor has run away with the conference, but Texas had COVID issues. They've been falling there on a two-game losing streak. West Virginia has been kind of up and down as far as their conference play. Um, and the other team, though, that's in there is Oklahoma. They went on a nice run, but they, they lost their last game. So, you know, but, but still, they picked up that nice win over Alabama, and that helps them. Texas Tech, man. In a year that's unlike any other, you know, we really thought Kansas and Baylor were going to be the, the two pillars in the Big Ten, 12, excuse me, the Big 12 was going to have two teams as one seeds. Now it's really looking different. I still like Texas at full strength. And I, I think because of the COVID issues, because of recency bias, we might be giving up on them a little too early. And that's still a team that I think come March, you know, assuming that everybody's back and healthy and in rhythm could make some noise. Absolutely. But Texas Tech, man, I agree. Yeah, Oklahoma, they have that win over Bama and that's probably going to be enough to get them into the tournament, assuming that they don't collapse down the stretch. I just, there's something about this Texas Tech team, man. They're just a thorn in everyone's side. They're not that explosive offensively. It's like, you know, they're not that physically imposing like Baylor when you watch them, you know, when you watch Baylor, like, man, they could probably contend with some G League teams with the athletes that they have out there. Texas Tech is more of that traditional grinded out college basketball team. We're just going to be in your face. We're going to hit shots at timely moments. Matt McClung, I'm glad you brought up him, man. America's sweetheart right now. He He's... Mac McClung is like the most fascinating basketball player because his it's not like he's destroying the box. Score. You know, he's averaging almost you know, 17 points a game, but two assists, two rebounds, you know, not, not anything to write home about necessarily. 43% from three or um, from the field is good. 33 from three is a little low, but he is just an inspiring basketball player. He makes plays when you need him to. And the game against LSU, they were down seven with under a minute and a half, I believe, to go. They end up winning by five. And that was almost... That shouldn't happen. That, that no, shouldn't be possible. I mean, that's like Reggie Miller's nine and eight seconds or eight and nine seconds or whatever it was back with the Pacers in the 90s. 
Matt McClung just sparked that team in the last minute and a half. And LSU did not know what to do. And it comes back to haunt LSU. I mean, they're down to fifth in the conference now. Um, they're, they're not trending in the, in the right direction, especially after a loss like that. You know, I, I talked about the Colorado loss to Utah earlier, and giving up a 19-point deficit is detrimental, absolutely. But I think this comeback is even worse. Because up 19 with nine minutes to play, yeah, you should win that game. Up seven with a minute left, and it just, you flip it and lose by five, that is just, it's, it's unbelievable. That's an absurd swing. Yep. And Mac McClung only finished with, oh, he finished with 22 points. Never mind. It was six points, I'm sorry, in that final stretch to get them back into it. Hit a couple three or hit a three. That team is, it's fun. And, you know, they're, <laughs> I, I don't know where to put them personally yet. I haven't had time to dive into my first bracket rankings. I don't know if you have. We're not like any cats where we want to just throw stuff up to get some clicks. Um, I don't know There's if you no Tom. point. Like, I get why people do it because you just you you want to give people an idea of, you know, this is where I'm thinking, this is where I'm at right now. But ultimately, you know, we just pointed out with the with the Villanova Creighton talk and everything else we've already, you know, it's like there's so much to be determined. Like this, they could be a two seed or they could be a six seed. You know, we what's the point of doing it now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I I don't know if there's anything else out of the Big Twelve that really. No, I mean, it's me. Baylor's league and. God, I just it, it sucks that we didn't get that Baylor Gonzaga game, but they're gonna have all the confidence going into the world. I, I, I bring up the old question: Is it better to lose a game going in than it is to go undefeated, just so you don't have that pressure on your back? No, <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's I, like I think that just you I, want to run the table is if you yeah. can, you want to. I, I think there's some merit to to take to not having to worry about it, you know. But at the same time, like basketball is different. It's not really about an undefeated season as much as it is winning the tournament. And whereas in football, like your ultimate goal would be to go undefeated. And basketball, yeah, it'd be great to run the table, go 40 and 0 or whatever. But it, I don't think the pressure is there as much as in some I, other I just mean, it, it becomes a narrative if you run the table in the regular season, you know, going in, if they're the only right. team, especially. Well, I mean, was it helps that Gonzaga is still undefeated, but when Kentucky was like thirty and zero or something like that a couple years ago, weren't they? When they went into the tournament, yeah, and didn't they lose in the final four? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. Think so I remember because that was the year they they beat the Bearcats in the second round. Oh. I think that's when they lost to Wisconsin. Oh, was that it? I yeah. think so. Was so, not the Frank Kaminsky and uh, Frank Kaminsky, Frank the Tank, Frank the Tank, baby, days. yeah. But see, even like an undefeated year, and then you make it to the Final Four, I still think that would be a... That's incredible. If you can't appreciate yeah. that, then why are you even a college basketball fan? Yeah, so I, I, if you're Baylor or Gonzaga, no, you don't, you don't rest your starters week 17. You keep rolling. Let's, uh, let's move on and talk about a couple of the leagues we really like. Um, let's do the SEC real quick, and then we'll jump into the Pac-12 and Mountain West. Alabama, they're running away with it undefeated in the league play 10 and 0 Missouri you know they're back into the contention after Tennessee's kind of dropped a couple Florida LSU they've been up and down all year is Alabama one seed right now I mean I know I just said it's pointless to claim it you know (laughs) but they might be (laughs) I I, you know I still think they're a two seed because they lost the game to Oklahoma now it was on the road um, but that was a game where that would really cement you as the top 
a top four team in the country. Um, you drop that one. It's not a loss that I'm going to hold against them, but they were on such a fantastic win streak. To see them drop, it hurts because then you look back and it's like, okay, they're still a four-loss team right now. And, you know, you've got Nova and Gonzaga and Baylor who are probably the top three. So then you've got a bunch of other teams with two, three, four losses vying for it. Um, they're still clearly the best team in the SEC. I saw an interesting stat. So at this point, Alabama 10-0 in the conference. Alabama football this year also went 10-0 in the conference. Both the football and the basketball team have the same point differential and average win margin at this point in the year for the basketball. That's crazy. Incredible. Such Multi. a fun ESPN stat. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're rolling. Nobody's going to catch them. Um, I, I don't even know. I think the closest team would be Arkansas, Florida, LSU. They're all four games back from the lead. I, it would I, take an epic collapse at this point. Yep. I mean, they're, they're getting damn close to clinching and it's early February. So something to keep an eye on for sure. But, you know, Tennessee. What happened not, to the volunteers? What, what is the deal here? I don't know. I, I All losses in conference play. I mean, the wheels have fallen off at this point. Yeah, you just, it's so confusing because they get destroyed by Florida on the road, but then you go on the road and beat, or you go and beat Kansas at home. We're just uh, talking about Kansas. They're not the same Kansas team, but Kansas it's still a good win. Kansas. I mean, they yeah. won it by almost 20. Yep. And so, you know, where is the consistency for the volunteers? Aiming against Kansas, but you can only score 49 against Florida. Offensively, they've had games where they, they've they dropped 100 before. And then they've also had other games where they're flirting with 15-60. If you are, you know, a Vols fan, I think you still feel good about their defense. You still feel good about their size and their physicality. But they need to pick up a lot of wins here down the stretch. Because right now, I don't know where, where they'd fall if they continue on this trend. The, the nice thing is, they don't play Alabama again. So you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, you know, and, and this is after a two point loss to Ole Miss uh, two nights ago, three nights ago. So they'll That's now go, loss. yeah, they'll now go on the road, play Kentucky. They've got Florida, LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky again. That's the, that's a nice stretch there, you know, bookended by Kentucky. Again, who would have thought we would have talked about sure wins at Kentucky. Uh, but, you know, how they play against Florida again. Now you get the Gators at home. That's going to be big. SEC is really, you know, it's Alabama's conference. It was in football. It is in basketball. And outside of that, there are not a lot of teams right now that inspire much confidence. Tennessee needs to hire a, a shooting coach or something, man. <laughs> it seems to be the issue for them the last couple of years. You know, they've had the defense. They have the athletes. The offense is just inconsistent. You know, it's it's... One night they look like an NBA team and the next night they're struggling to score 50. And I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand it. That Florida game is going to be big for them. They still have to go to Auburn. Like you said, that could, that could be a deceptively tough trip. Yep. I'll be curious to see how they close down the stretch. Let's, let's move on. Let's talk. Real quick, actually. Oh, I, go I, ahead. I, I wanted to throw in Tennessee stats to book in this. Offensive rating is tied for 92nd in the country. Defensive yeah, rating tied for 6th. So you need to meet there somewhere in the middle. If you need to give up some defense to spark an offense, I think it's worth it for the balls at this point because that six-rated defense is good enough to get you six in the conference. So they, they need something to change and fast because the time is running out for them to make that push. Great stat. 
The 55th big game is this weekend. 55, a game this big, deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. To finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. One touchdown, you double your money. Simple as that. Easy as one, two, three. I mean, what do you what one more what more do you want, people? They're literally giving you free money. As if this game wasn't enough of a reason to party. With the double the cash, you'll be celebrating till next season. Don't forget about the DraftKings Big Game Prediction Challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs. Instant prizes for everybody who enters the contest. DraftKings, they've already paid out $7 billion to players since 2012. They know a thing or two about paydays. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday's season night finale. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's talk about the Pac-12. Um... Oregon, definitely not the best team. I said they might be. They're not. They dropped their first game back. Top five, though, all within a game or two. Who has your eye right now? I mean, it, it sticks with UCLA. You know, they, after that loss against Stanford, the buzzer beater, it was tough, but they're still 9-1 and in the conference. They're 13-3 and overall. Haven't lost at home. But this is a big weekend because UCLA is traveling to the Galen Center, playing USC. This game really this could this could really tell where the rest of this, the season is going. This is just the first of two matchups for the, the LA schools. So they're gonna get another chance, but this could potentially put one of them into, you know, a little bit of a negative light. USC, they're on a three-game winning streak. UCLA picked up a win in their last game, 8 p.m. mountain time on Saturday. This is a must-watch game if you are a college basketball fan or you know just a fan of the Pac-12 because there's a lot of implications on the line. Um, I'm not willing to say winner of that game wins the conference because there is still a lot of time left, but it's really going to set the tone for, for how the rest of the season goes. Who would have thought, man? UCLA kind of got clowned when they hired Mick Cronin, at least nationally. It, it seems like people are like, really? Like That's who you're going to go with? Guess what? He's dominating the Pac-12 right now. Yep. I'm, you know, I'm not a big McCronin guy. He spent, I don't know, a decade at Cincinnati and probably one of the best regular season coaches I've ever seen. Um, and I've met, I've met Mick before. He's a very nice guy. Love the program that he built with the Bearcats. Little flex. But yeah, yeah, no big deal. Um, but he just could not get it done in the tournament. And he had some pretty good Bearcat teams there. Now... UCLA, the talent is completely different, obviously. You're able to recruit much better. You're going to have a better program. But until I see it in action, I'm not going to buy into them as a postseason team. But with that being said, Mick Cronin is still a fantastic regular season coach. And UCLA, I mean, as much as you, if you're a Buffs fan listening, you know, as much as you hate to say it, the LA schools right now, they really are the, the one and two favorites. And, and it's kind of everybody else. We'll talk about the buffs in just a second. 
is there anybody outside of those top three? I mean, Oregon, you've kind of been kind of down on Oregon. Where are you at with them right now? It's a school that after their second COVID pause, you know, they come out and they lose a game to Washington State. And that's a Washington State team that, for example, Colorado beat twice in a back-to-back. Um, it's a Washington State team that also was on a, a, a bad losing streak. You know, Washington State, as soon as they hit conference play, was not playing very well. So, you know, Oregon, I do still think they're a good basketball team. You know, they've got Duarte, for example, who is going to be in the, in the conference player of the year conversation. But at this point, sitting at four and three in the conference, I think for them, it's out of the question for them to win the conference. So now their focus really needs to be on uh, at least a regular season, for example. So their focus right now needs to be on how can we run the tournament? And, and again, that's assuming we have tournaments and that's a conversation for a whole nother day. News of that will probably drop sooner rather than later, maybe, and we'll have a podcast on it. But either which way, I think they are going to want to secure the auto bid because that means they picked up three or four wins in the conference through that tournament, and that's going to help boost them up. I, they're just with so much inconsistency from they haven't been playing to them losing some games they should win. They're just not a team that you want to bank on. They're not a team I look forward to playing, uh, but they're not anyone that's really going to scare you like an LA school. Well, let's talk Colorado then. And oh, 19 point blowing a 19 point lead. That's obviously brutal. Why is the sky not falling? You know, I'm sure this is a point that's been already made on the Buffs podcast multiple times, but you and I, we're big proponents of weird shit happens in college basketball. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad team. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it is proof you're a fraud or you're a bad team. I have a hard time believing this Buffs teams are fraud. I, I just believe in McKinley Wright a little bit too much and I know the Ram fans right now, they're like, oh God, shut up, Justin. I hate when you talk about McKinley Wright because you never say anything bad about him. I can't say anything bad about him. He's tremendous. He's just fun to watch. And he's a guy who, I'll be completely honest, I would not mind seeing make a run in the NCAA tournament. Now, I hope it doesn't come at CSU's expense if they end up in the same bracket or something like that. Let's get them on opposite sides so that they can meet you know, in the Elite Eight or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but... He's just fun, man. He's a guy that plays the game the right way. I still believe in this Buffs team. I still think they're the clear-cut number three team in the Pac-12 right now. Do you agree? What's 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 going on? Yeah, you know, I the thing about the Buffs that really they have in their favor is the computer metrics love them. They love them. They are 19 in net, 18 in Kempom. They are they the computer says the Buffs are a top 20 team. And then you look at, you know, the, the eye test and there, they have some inconsistencies for sure, but this next stretch is going to be very important. You know, Arizona has historically provided lots of problems for the bus. If you beat Arizona at home tomorrow, Saturday, then it pretty much writes the ship because college basketball is such a recent thing, you know, and, and there's so much recency bias and quite frankly, it sucks to say, but a team that was hot in January and the team that was hot in February, if they end up with the same record, the team that was hot in February is going to get the better seat. So it sucks that you dropped that game at Utah. It sucks that they dropped the game against Washington on the road and not a good Huskies team, but there is still time. The reason the sky is not falling is because it doesn't really matter until the second week of February, because that's when 
every game is going to have an eye on. Every game is going to be rewatched by all the national pundits. And that's when you really need to make your run. You would love to pick up these wins against teams like Utah because it's going to help in the conference standings. But, you know, nobody really thought they were going to compete in the conference anyway. This was a team that was projected to finish seventh in the conference by the preseason poll. So the fact that they're third right now is perfectly fine. Let them keep going, finish third in the conference, and just get, if you can, reach this team's ceiling, which I think, and I've said on the Buffs podcast, this team's floor, I think, is a 10 seed. Its ceiling is realistically a 5 seed. I think they're going to fall somewhere in the middle. I think if they win out, you know, or lose one or two, I do think they could push up to a five or a six seed, but I don't think that's realistic. I think this is going to be a team that wins in the first round and then has to play a number one seed. So you take that with what you will, whether they end up as an eight or nine, it is what it is. They just need to make the tournament, take that step forward and win a game. If you win a game in the tournament, you'll feel great about the progress that this Buffs team has made, especially because fans of the Buffs podcast will know they have a fantastic recruiting class coming in. If CU ended up a seven seed and CSU ended up a 10 seed, it would be interesting to see how they decided to split those teams up regionally. Uh, the you, one thing I that mean, jumps out to me... I'm sorry to interrupt. Would you be a fan of a first-round matchup, Boston-Rams? I mean, it's intriguing to me, but I don't think that's that's not what I'm rooting for. Um, I I want as many local teams to potentially make a run in the in the tournament as possible. And so... Would it be sweet if they faced off in the Sweet 16 or something like that? That's kind of a different story. Right. Right off the bat, that would kind of suck because, you know, you're just killing, you're killing content. We both need stuff to talk about here, guys. Like, yep, I agree. Come on. Uh, the one thing that jumps out to me about this Colorado schedule, though, and that's assuming all these games happen, of course, which you never know in the COVID world. After these home games against Arizona and Oregon State, you got a four-game rotor to Stanford at U, uh, Cal. At Oregon, at Oregon State, and you've said before that Oregon game may or may not happen. But after that four-game road trip, you still have a brutal two-game home or homestand, Homer homestand. I don't even. I'm making up shit at this point against USC and UCLA. That's not an easy way to close the season, man. You got to probably at least go like three and three, four and two over those final six. Yep, I think if if you are looking for the most realistic, optimistic route, you know, the combination of the two, you pick up wins, your next two wins at home against Arizona, Oregon State, you go 500 the rest of the way. Um, I think they lose, realistically, I think they lose to Stanford and Oregon on the road. I think you beat Oregon State and Cal on the road. That and sounds then at, fair. And at home, it's pretty much a toss-up. I think they beat USC. They match up very well against the Trojans. And then you lose to UCLA at that point. Yeah, you are three and three. Um, in that stand, and, and that's still going to keep you at probably third, maybe fourth in the conference. And finishing top four in the Pac-12 is something that Chad Boyle hasn't done. Letting him do that, letting him again make the tournament and get a chance to pick up one tournament win in the first round, I think that's enough to inspire enough confidence moving forward. I think that should be the realistic goal. If this team is hitting on all cylinders, though, I do think they could do better. The problem is, is we just haven't seen it really. Their biggest win streak this season so far has been four. I don't see them getting anywhere close to that during the stretch. I'll say this. As somebody that graduated from, you know, the rival program, if you are if you are rooting for Tad Boyle to not be the head coach of CU basketball and you are a Buffs fan, you are a moron. 
and I'm just going to like, I'm the Rams guy, so I can say it. <laughs> if you, oh, I, if I you agree. think that Tad Boyle is not probably one of the two or three best options to lead the program in the entire country, because there aren't that many, most people that would ha- would have had the success would have already dipped by now. You're yep. just, you don't get it. You got to appreciate this type of stuff. Great coach, great things going there. I got a lot of respect for CU hoops, and I know that CSU fans hate that, but I think it's great. It's a great competitive rivalry. The games are always good. It sucks we didn't get a game between the two teams this year. Speaking of that, though, let's flip over to CSU and briefly talk about them slash the Mountain West as we wrap up here. Man, the Mountain West is going to be interesting. Um, I had Kevin Sweeney on. He's a big college basketball guy. You should follow him if you don't, at CBB Central on Twitter. One of the just most knowledgeable college basketball dudes across the country. Works for Sports Illustrated now. Um, just a just a beast of a dude. He thinks the Mountain West could potentially have four teams make the tournament. And that kind of surprised me because honestly, like that's the type of stuff I was saying. But you know, to hear a national guy, somebody who actually has his finger on the pulse say it, kind of intriguing to me. You know, I know you follow the Pac-12 a little bit more extensively, but you do watch the Mountain West, especially some of these top teams. And I'm kind of curious, you know, what what is your what is your gauge on the Mountain West right now? And do you really think that, you know, three or four of these teams can sneak in? You know, it's interesting. I think it's possible. But the problem is, is if you are the top three right now between Boise, Utah State, and Colorado State, they can't really afford any losses outside of those three opponents. You know, they need to be be taking care of business for the, the rest of their conference. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for San Diego State and Nevada to squeeze in there. That being said, said, San Diego State, they're on a four-game win streak right now. And the Nevada, metrics love them still. They're on a two-game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, San Diego State, they're, I think it's a tough A win over run. UCLA is going to really help their cause, man. Yep. And, and picking up that quality out-of-conference opponent is, I mean, you're right. That is, if San Diego State ends up being on the bubble, that is a win that propels them in over some other teams. Over even some teams, maybe like a look at the Big East, and maybe you compare them to St. John's or you know Providence or uh, you know Seton Hall. That UCLA win is is very good. So I think that's the more, most likely team to make it. Um, you know, if you're San Diego State, you need to at least split with Boise State. And the interesting thing about Boise State is they only have one conference loss right now, and it's at CSU. They have a brutal, brutal schedule to close here. They've still got to play at Nevada twice, which are games they'll be favored in, but Nevada can put up points in a hurry. You know, if, if they're having an off night, Boise from behind the arc, you never know. UNLV still got to come there. They're not a great team, but they've got two just legitimate bucket scores and David Jenkins and Bryce Hamilton, two guys that can really get to the hoop. They got to play Utah State and San Diego State. I mean, th- those are all eight losable games if you're Boise State. And if, if you're the Mountain West, I don't really know what you're lo- rooting for. You know, do you want Boise State to just separate themselves, you know, win the league outright, be the clear best team, probably crack the top 20 when it's all said and done? Or do you want San Diego State to split? Do you want Utah State to split and have it be like where they're all essentially, you know, three lost teams all in the same conversation? It's it's an interesting debate. I'm I'm really not sure what's the best route for the Mountain West. I'm just intrigued to see how it all plays out. I think for the conference, you want the splits. I think it's different than the Big East because 
the Mountain West doesn't have the perennial powerhouse like Villanova. And so I think if you're the Mountain West, you just want to get as many teams in there as possible, not just for the kickbacks, but for the recognition. So that's why I do think there's a difference between them and the Big East. With that being said, you know, Boise State, Utah State, and Colorado State, they're all in the top three within a game of each other. And that just means that Boise State, they're going to be playing with a fire under their ass because you don't have any margin for error. The same goes for Utah State and Colorado State. But if you're looking to pick a winner from this conference for the rest of the schedule, I mean, you have to go with the Rams just based on the schedule. You know, you finish up at Wyoming uh, tomorrow and Saturday. They took care of business last night. Then you have uh, New Mexico at home, Northern Colorado. At Nevada is your hardest little stretch there. And then you got at home at Air Force. I mean, even if the Rams split those games with Nevada, I still think that's enough for them to win the conference because they probably will sweep the rest. So if you're Boise State looking at the other teams in your conference, that is just going to make you play under a microscope of detail. Whether or not that means they're going to play tight and you know drop some games or they're going to play their best basketball, obviously, still to be seen. But it's going to be a fascinating finish to that race. Yeah, CSU's really set themselves up nicely here. You know, they don't have the non-conference record, and it's it's unfortunate that they lost games against Cal, Oregon State, and Colorado because you know even wins against you know Cal and Oregon State would help them just from a national perspective. Of oh look, they've done it against better teams. They don't have any losses outside of quad one. I just, they're a tournament team, in my opinion, whether they win the league or not, assuming they take care of business, you know, as they can't, none of these teams can afford losses down the stretch. I know we keep saying it over and over against the same points, but it's true. You know, if you, if you lose to Northern Colorado, if you lose to Air Force or something like that, that's what they're going to use to bury you. But, oh, it's going to be a fun finish. It's a fun time to be a college basketball fan locally. Make sure that you are keeping up with all things Buffs, all things Rams. We make it more fun to be a college basketball fan. We make it more fun to be a sports fan here at DNVR. Check out the Nuggets stuff, the Avs stuff, Broncos. We're ramping up the draft coverage. So much stuff going on. Uh, Super Bowl, we've got our betting bonanza going on. Man, there's just so many fun things. I can't even keep up with it all. Thank you to everybody that continues to support our content. I'm Justin Michael. Ben Girding is with me. We will be back next week and we will be ramping up our coverage as we approach March Madness, Selection Sunday, all that fun stuff. Much love. Peace. Peace.